life's crystal river flows, and there is no night there. God shall wipe away all tears. There's no death, no pain, no fears, and they come not time by
city Foursquare Their life's crystal River flows And there is No night There God shall Wipe away All tears There's no death No pain they count not time by years, for there is no night
Thank you. Please be seated. On behalf of the family of Jamon Kirby, I'd like to express their love and gratitude for all the acts of kindness and blessings that have been given to them over these last several days. They are grateful for each of you who are here today. Some are watching online through our live stream as well. And for all the encouragement and prayers so many have offered, many acts of kindness demonstrate how much this family has loved and cared for. A family graveside service was held earlier this morning. The family will be available for a short while after the service today in our foyer, directly behind this auditorium, if you would like to visit with them and express your love and care. Revelation 14 says, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Jamon Coach Kirby of Tyler passed away Friday, August 12th of this year here in Tyler. He was 90 years old. He was born May 17, 1932 in Rayford, Oklahoma, to Walter Kirby and Ethel Dover Kirby. He cherished his childhood in Oklahoma, spending many happy times with his grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. His family later moved to Gladewater, Texas, where he graduated from Union Grove High School in 1950 and then received his machinist certification from Kilgore College. He was drafted into the Army during the Korean War and was stationed with an anti-aircraft unit in California. When Jamon returned to Texas, he ran into a beautiful girl he had known at church named Claire Gray. He asked her out, and she said yes. They married at that same church in 1956. Clay remained the love of his life from that day forward, and to honor that love, he never once removed his wedding ring. Jamon obtained his bachelor's and master's degrees in education from Stephen F. Austin State University and became an elementary school PE coach and bus driver here in Tyler. He truly loved teaching and spent most of his career at Andy Woods Elementary School. In 1981, he joined the physical education faculty at Tyler Junior College. His door was always open to any student who needed help or a kind word. After he retired in 1996, he delighted in encountering his former students and counted himself fortunate to have been their teacher. In addition to teaching, Jamon loved traveling, spending time at his vacation home in Oklahoma, and being a wonderful granddad to his only grandson. He was also devoted to his church, serving as a deacon, an elder, a teacher, and a volunteer for singles and youth activities. I've talked to a few of our couples who have said the reason they are together is because of your parents. He was a charismatic, big-hearted Christian man with a warm smile and wonderful sense of humor, and he will be deeply missed. Jamon was preceded in death by his precious wife, his parents, his sister and brother-in-law, Jewel Dean and Bill Rumsey, and their sons, Paul Rumsey and Rocky Rumsey. Left to cherish his memory as his loving family, including his daughter and son-in-law, Suzanne and Stan Perkins, beloved grandson, Grant Perkins, 
nieces Anita Ashworth, Diane Parker, Debbie Graham, and Carla Miller and husband Ralph, and nephews Clyde Hampton, Larry Fuller, and wife Nancy, Roddy Fuller and wife Nancy, and Robert Rumsey and wife Sherry. The family would like to thank the staff at Prestige Estates and the nursing staff of Paloma Hospice for their kind, attentive care during the past year. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. We give you our lives. We give you our worship because you alone are worthy. You are the creator, God. You have told us, Father, through your written word that it is appointed for all of us as human beings at some point to end life in this world, to stand before you in judgment and through the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, to be with you for eternity. Father, we are grateful for that salvation. We are grateful for your church that is a family that allows us to share our life's successes and failures, our ups and downs, the joys that we celebrate and the sorrows that we bear. And Father, we're especially thankful for individuals and families that you send our way that embody the values and the love of your Son and our Savior. And so, Father, today we celebrate Jaman in a special way, as a life well lived. We celebrate his faith. We celebrate his devotion for his beloved clay, for the father and grandfather that he was, for the teacher, the coach, the church leader, the Bible teacher, the example. And, Father, we're grateful that we have each been allowed to be touched by this family. Father, we pray a special prayer that you would be with Stan and Suzanne and Grant. We pray for all of this family and all of the close friends that mourn in a very special way because of their deep love and admiration for Jamon. We ask that you would bless us as we go through this service with remembrances We pray that as these wonderful songs are played and sung, that we will be able to be reminded of the great faith with which Jamon lived his life, of the way that uh, his life focused on you, on serving you, on helping and serving others, and that we would be reminded, Father, that uh, those deeds certainly will follow after him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you all for being here. Uh, I will be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen. Good morning. I come today to celebrate the legacy that Jamon Kirby left to a young teenager carried through the man you see before you today. He was always Mr. Kirby to me, even when he called me his son. As with all, he wasn't a perfect man, but he and Clay were perfectly placed on this earth to help nurture, shape, and guide me through those tumultuous teenage years. In every form, they were my second parents. And I wasn't alone with that. It was nearly impossible to go anywhere without somebody coming and say hello to Coach Kirby, Mr. Kirby to me. And when I say anywhere, I mean anywhere. Building a church, doing something else, it was always there. I cannot begin to count the number of people he touched during his life. He and Clay were always there to help with open arms. As a kid, I remember sitting on their living room floor, sketching floor plans that would later become one of the duplexes he built, or watching him work on something, and it was always something. It began for me with the GT Mustang that he restored for Suzanne. I think I was the only person that he authorized her to let drive it, although I'm not sure he actually said that. And Or working on that MG kit car that he had. I think he always worked on it until he sold it. I don't think it ever got finished. Of course, once he sold that, that led to the Corvair, which was always being worked on, too. I joked that he was the only person that I knew that had a three-car garage and didn't have a running car in it. (laughs) His answer to that was to extend the garage to a four-car garage and still not have a running car in it. Speaking of projects, I remember one Saturday I came over to the house and I saw him measuring the windows off the breakfast room um, that goes out on the patio. And I asked him, what was was he doing? He said, well, I'm tired of coming in through the carpet area and the den. I want to come and walk on the tile floor when I enter from the garage. And I was like, hmm. So I had a quizzical look on my face, and he asked me, what are you thinking? I was like, well... What about those, the set of French doors that were right next to where he was measuring to put a set of French doors in? He looked at me and said, oh, those windows still stayed there. (laughs) He used to joke about what Jamon meant. He would tell me it was jack of all, master of none. I think in reality that he mastered most of what he attempted, but even when he didn't, 
he was willing to try most anything at least once. And one nice summer day here, I remember going over the house and asking him if he wanted to go to the lake and go tubing. For those of you that have never done that, um, you'll understand that the driver's goal is to get the person off the tube. The rider's goal is to stay on the tube. Well, he didn't fall off. You, some of you would know that as a testament to a stubborn streak that he might have had. Years later, he confided in me that he had never been so sore in his life as he was after that tubing trip. He was always grateful for a call or visit. His heartfelt greeting when you saw him would lift anyone's spirits. I mean, he would open the door before you even got there and drag you in with a big old hug. It was infectious. So you would have to work really hard to leave without a feeling of joy after being with them. Even if it was a day, a week, a month, a year since you talked to him, it was always the same. I was blessed to have Mr. Kirby in my life. I'm comforted in faith that he will be forever in the house of our Lord and Savior and reunited with the love of his life. Thank you, Suzanne, for sharing them with me and for this time to say goodbye. Thank you, Greg. I know we'll be covering some of that same territory it was when I get up here and talk, but the territory was his life, so if you said it once, it probably bears repeating. I'm truly honored to stand here as one of Jamon's nephews to help celebrate the life he lived and to recall some of the attributes that made him so dear and for many of us such a powerful presence in our lives. I'm also glad to be keeping a promise made almost 10 years ago. In March of 2013, Jaman presented a letter asking me to speak at his funeral, whenever it might be. It was, I should say it is, a 13-page <laughs> document, handwritten on ringbinder notebook paper, which reminds me that there was never a shortage of school supplies in that house on Dolores. Now, as one would expect, the document is a narrative of how his life unfolded, but it also provides glimpses of his character, his faith, his service, his proudest achievements, what he stood for, what he loved, and it reflects one of the most vibrant personalities I have ever encountered. Jamon was engaging. Once he had caught you up in conversation, the tone was usually positive. 
And he was a natural when it came to provoking a smile or a laugh, sometimes unexpectedly. Take this 13-page letter, for example, where where he starts out as follows. Larry, you know that I love you very much. And you also know that there isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. And I know there isn't anything you wouldn't do for me. So we go through life doing nothing for each other. (laughs) Now, how wacky is that? You know, I think he probably thought we would need a little humor to help us get through this and, and maybe some water. Uh, and I think he's probably right. In fact, he deployed a good sense of humor, a warm and friendly persona, to get through life itself. But if my job is to capture the essence of who Jamon was and celebrate the life he lived, I should now observe that he was a man who had his priorities straight. And aside from his bedrock devotion to God, he was driven by his commitment to family and friends. To drill a little deeper, Most of us saw Jaman as part of the package that we know so readily as Clay and Jaman. The death of this remarkable lady in 2016 marked the end of an era and the beginning of a phase of grief that only his death could finally bring to an end. Throughout Clay's decline in a care facility, Jumon's personal attention to her daily needs was nothing short of amazing. It's a lasting tribute to his unfailing loyalty. More recently, in a similar facility, Jamon was facing his own decline as he approached the age of 90. And then it was his daughter, Suzanne, who demonstrated the steadfast loyalty and commitment to her dad. As is typical in later stages of age-related decline, his conversations during those visits involved a lot of repetition saying something and then saying the same thing again a few moments later. The dominant theme of those conversations, the loop he played over and over again, was his testimony to what a joy and what a wonderful blessing Suzanne was and always had been. You know, the way I see it, after soon after Suzanne was born, they kind of kind of thought, "Well, she's so perfect, we ought to just quit while we're ahead." <laughs> and in high, hindsight, I think it's kind of hard to poke a hole in that theory. 
But for both Clay and Jamon, their devotion to Suzanne informed their every decision as she grew up. And later, the threesome of Suzanne, her husband Stan, and their son Grant became the center of their universe. Whether you knew Jamon as family, friend, neighbor, fellow church member, or perhaps as one of the countless students from kindergarten through sophomore in college who called him coach. Whoever you were, you also knew him as a man of conviction. Take religion, for example. As I understand it, his theology was very simple and straightforward. There is a God. His word is the Bible. The Bible says what it means and means what it says. So read it carefully and then proceed accordingly. Now, some of his convictions were a bit arbitrary. A shirt tail is meant to be tucked in, okay? An overdue oil change is a man's disgrace. <laughs> but, all, but along with his convictions came a transparency that meant you always knew where he stood. And his convictions tended to be grounded in common sense. Now, I wasn't there, but I remembered an account of Jamon as a chaperone for a group of students on a trip to Big Bend National Park, where, of course, all wildlife is protected. But when the group encountered a rattlesnake, he promptly grabbed a stick and killed it. He was guided by the practical premise that, well, that this may be against the law, but it shouldn't be. Why? Because it's a rattlesnake. Now, revealing just where he stood on things could potentially be offensive. But Jamon's good-natured demeanor sometimes helped him get away with comments that were borderline outrageous. And of course, being such a handsome dude didn't hurt either. Picture the young counter clerk taking orders at a local Whataburger. She was thoroughly tattooed and pierced and had dyed her hair purple. Jamon stepped right up, as friendly as could be, and said in that charming voice, Honey, does your mama know how you look right now? <laughs> From her, there was no hint of a frown, only a smile. So it was that in Jamon's case, the term man of conviction had nothing to do with being dour or sullen or morose. 
On the contrary, he was lively, eyes twinkling, crackling with energy, physically strong, and ready to get up and go. Dabbling in construction now and then, colleagues declared that no one could outwork Jamon. Now that's largely because his work ethic was rooted in his early childhood in Oklahoma, which conformed in every way with classic descriptions of a hard scrabble life. Now on the subject of his physical strength, Clay summed it up, maybe mixing metaphors, she summed it up by saying he was strong as an ox and he moved like a bull in a china shop. Until just a few years ago, ever a true believer in the basics of physical education, PE, that he taught for decades, Jaman exercised regularly, matching his age in years with his daily number of push-ups. I can also tell you that he liked to ride the bicycle that came as a gift from Stan. And nine years ago, when I tried to follow my then 81-year uncle's hillside maneuvers during a bike ride on Grandy Boulevard, I paid dearly in the form of a crash and 17 stitches. Another expression often associated with Jamon was related to his generosity. That is, he'd give you the shirt off his back. Now, his shoulders were too broad for his shirts to fit me, but I can most certainly attest to his generosity. And I'll begin by noting that Jamon far transcended what I think of as the traditional role of an uncle. In fact, looking back on it, it seems that my brother Roddy and I were in some ways being treated like the sons he never had. And we went right along with it. For example, Jermon was not a man of extreme wealth, but money was tighter in our house than in his. So he saw to it that both Roddy and I had our own car to drive in college back in the late 60s. Mine was a 57 Ford, and Roddy's was a 50-something Dodge. Now, as it turns out, Suzanne's college car was a nearly brand new Mazda RX-7. And that is as it should be. But here's the clincher. At the very beginning of his 13-page letter, it's right here, right after his joke about going through life doing nothing for each other, he writes, Now for the serious part, I was honored that you and Roddy came to me for cars. That was touching. I only wish I could have done more 
in some ways. Word for word, that's what he said. And it is this pure and beautiful and selfless sentiment that I will always cherish even more than that 57 Ford. No tribute to Jamon would be fully adequate without addressing several other dimensions to his life that that made it rich and full. Of course, he was known as coach to large numbers of people he taught and influenced, sometimes in profound ways. Rare was the time when members of our family were out and about with Jamon and Tyler that we weren't greeted warmly by some component of his vast network of admirers. And as a couple, Clay and Jamon loved opening their homes to students and friends of all ages, especially to young people trying to find their way through life. What else did Jamon love? He loved cars old and new, and trucks and motorcycles, whether they were running or not. If they were broken, he could fix them. And he loved the country drives and also the longer road trips that vehicles with wheels made possible. For a number of years, he and Clay pretty much kept the road hot driving back and forth to Oklahoma, where they had a vacation home with a scenic view. Jamon loved building things, stepping back and admiring finished construction completed through his own skilled labor, or just tinkering, using tools to keep things working right. He loved the city of Tyler, watching it grow through the years. He loved a biscuits and gravy breakfast or a Whataburger lunch with his dear cousin, Gene. And of course, he liked the large senior drink that came free with the meal. He loved watching his beloved Grant play high school football at All Saints. And he was pretty much up for any football game he could find on TV especially when there were no lazy linemen to complain about. As part of the crowd in a large stadium, it was touching to see him tear up during the national anthem or when fighter jets flew in tight formation over the field. Now, for the record, that stadium was in Austin and not College Station. So yes, he loved his country and our flag. He was also proud to have served in the army during the Korean War. And he was very relieved, he once told me, that he didn't get himself blown up driving those ammunition trucks all over California. I'll leave you with this final thought. Jamon epitomized the familiar phrase, they broke the mold. 
They broke the mold when he was born as one of a kind, in a word, unique. Sadly, we now confront the reality that at least in this life, on this earth, there will never be another Jaman. But how thankful and how blessed we are to have known and loved him as he walked among us during our own journey through life. Once again, on behalf of Suzanne and Stan and Grant and all this family, I'd like to express their appreciation for your being a part of the service today, for the many acts of kindness and love and prayers that you have showered upon them. In just a moment, we'll have a closing song that will be our closing prayer as well. And during that song, the family will be escorted out, and then you will have the opportunity to be escorted out as well. And there will be some time in our foyer directly behind us where you will be able to uh, visit with the family. 
before they go on and are served lunch by our wonderful church family here at West Irwin uh, that loves them so very dearly. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we've heard today the many wonderful works and acts and deeds of love and service that Clay and Jamon have offered to so many. So many here have been touched by them in a very real, concrete, direct way. And so, Father, we praise you for them and for their lives. We praise you, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to show us how to live to give his life so that the, the times when we, too, have failed you, that his perfect life and perfect blood would cleanse us. Father, we're thankful for those that you put in our path that demonstrate that love and service and devotion to you, to your word, to your church. Father, we're grateful for uh, Jamon, for his life of faith and service. And we ask, Father, that you would bless those that mourn his loss and that you would help them, Father, to remember him with a smile, perhaps a tear, and a prayer of thanksgiving that they were able to see Christ in him. And now, Father, as we pray and as we hear these wonderful, wonderful words, we do ask, Father, that you, our gracious Lord, would bless this family and keep them, that you would make your face to shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them, that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.